when I called them out on it, the realtor said, uh, well, they have good credit. Because I said, I think the, the document is forged. She said, well, they have good credit. According to what? I said, what, what do you mean they have good credit? <laughs> the forged document. The, the document is forged. You have no idea what kind of credit these people have. And giving the four months up front, you know what would happen. You know what would happen there. To those of you that don't, you would get that 10 grand up front and never see another nickel. All right, here we go. Episode 106. Hello. Welcome to KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. We are your hosts. I am your radio, your radio voice is getting better and better every episode. Yeah. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trot. Episode 106. Hello, my friend. Hey, how's it going? It's, hey, listen, uh, before we get started, if you are a repeat listener, sorry, am I loud? If you are a repeat listener, I want you to go and like this video or like this audio track, wherever you're watching or listening. That's all. Now you can continue. On your, your camera must have some smudges or something on it. I'll, I'll wipe it while you talk. All right. So I think we'll just get right into the podcast topic, which revolves around a story and I'll, I'll give you the quick synopsis of the story. We have a beautiful brand new townhome in Milton available for lease. Um, we underpriced it in order to get it leased quickly. We had multiple interest right away, got multiple offers right away. But one offer came in before the other. And the first offer actually... That is typically how it happens. <laughs> yeah, smart ass. Yeah, they didn't come in at precisely the exact same time. But no, this was like a half a day. Okay, so six, seven hours, one offer came in, and then six, seven hours later, the other offer came in. So I had lots of time to review the first offer, and it looked great. It was a good, uh, good price, good closing date. Um, they were offering some additional money up front in order to make their offer look better. Sounds ideal. And great credit, amazing credit, good jobs, stable jobs. Uh, the paperwork was actually not too bad in terms of the offer itself. The, the realtor did a pretty good job in constructing the offer. But once I started looking into this offer a little bit, the first thing that actually struck me, to be honest with you, was that they did offer up an additional two months of rent. So typically we only ask for first and last month rent as the deposit and they willingly uh, offered up four months Let's talk about when would people normally do that? Because it's well, not... It's not common. Now, I, I do understand that in a situation where you're competing against other offers, at this point, they weren't competing yet. Right. This is just their initial... This is their initial offer, no other offers on the table. And they came forward offering four months rent right up front. So, you know, we were underpriced, definitely underpriced by at least... Um, I, I want to say $55 a month 
we ended up getting $105 more per month. So technically, I guess you could say we were $100 uh, below its market value in order to attract a lot of attention and get it done quickly because it was vacant. And that's what the sellers wanted. They said, get at least quickly. Okay, so this, this automatically sets off a question in my head. Why are they offering the four months? Now, to your question or to your point, people would typically do that when they have poor credit or not ideal credit, we'll say, right? There's a blip in their credit somewhere. And sometimes that can be explained. Sometimes they went through some hardships, you know, COVID, is, you're probably going to get a bunch of tenants next year that say, oh, yeah, my T4 from last year is only $20,000, but I usually make 50, right? Um, so maybe there's a blip in, you know, um, their report in some some way, shape or form. They They couldn't make a payment one month or whatever, or, you know, people get ill. Right, we've seen that before. That or div- uh, separations, divorces. There's a lot of reasons that somebody could run into financial hardship, for sure. Correct. So that's one of the reasons. Um, that's usually the primary reason. Something revolving around credit or job, right? Um, and to provide the landlord with some further stability, because a landlord would look at it and say. All right, well, they're giving me 10 grand up front. That's that's pretty solid. Um, and even sometimes you can have somebody that has a good credit score, but their utilization on credit is quite high, meaning, you know, they have a ten thousand dollar balance on their visa and they owe ninety five hundred dollars on the visa. Um, yeah. Things like that. So just to show financial stability, somebody might do that. But that's usually where it stems from. So I look at the four months up front, and now I look at their credit report. I look at their job letters and their uh, pay stubs, and everything looks pretty good. So I'm like, okay, I'll have to get some answers from, from their realtor about that. Anyway, so... I called her and and um, I said, "What you know? I got all the paperwork here. I'm just starting to go through it, but right away I have a question: Why are you giving us four months up front?" And she answered right away because they lost out on a couple other properties and they wanted to make their offer more attractive um, so that they don't compete and lose it. Okay, not a bad explanation. So again, it was six or seven hours before the second offer came in. So it gave me a few hours to do my due diligence. First thing I'm doing is looking at all of the documents and what do they look like? What do they say? Do the, does the rental application and these documents, do they all line up? Like, is there any variances that would set off any red flags? The first thing I noticed is that the job letter you know, if you're working for a company for a long time and making a good salary and they have a number of employees, usually there is a professional letterhead. Usually there's some sort of a manager, a human resources manager, a controller. Um, Sometimes in smaller companies, it can be the president or whatever. 
And typically there's a more or less a standard type of letter that they use to uh, provide um, letters of employment. Yeah, some companies are very consistent with it. They typically have a normal format that you would follow. What what were the what raised a concern with that one? Because that's that well, can what, vary very very much from one company to another. The the way the letterhead was put together seemed a little bit off. It it almost seemed like the letter itself was printed and then the logo of the company was potentially pasted onto that printout and then photocopied and then scanned and photocopied and then emailed. So, so you had almost, you remember back in the day when you would get a fax and it was yeah, yeah. like an, like an offer that had been faxed three or four times between offices and by the time the end user gets it, it's like, how do I even know if this is a legit copy? Yes. That's kind of what went through my head because the depth of, um, I guess the depth of color, the de- depth of the grayscale within all of the font was significantly darker than the logo. Right. So typically, if somebody's printing a, a job letter, it's all going to be more or less within the, that same scale um, and, and same degree of um, whatever you want to call it. Colors. Yeah, yeah. Well, nowadays, I find I'm surprised that more people aren't just simply providing digital copies. Most companies now, I think, are switching to that format. Like, why are we printing basic letters on paper? Doesn't make yeah. sense. Send me a PDF. Um, I think they're more reliable. And then you get digital signatures that are date and time stamped. You know, it's legit. They're authenticated through, you know, various programs as having security. So you know it's a real document. So not a big, big red flag yet. Because I have seen that before and it has been legit. Smaller companies, you know, somebody yeah. doesn't know how to do it or run a business. I've, I've seen some whatever. pretty funny job letters. Just oh, like yeah. I've even seen handwritten ones, you know. Yeah. Um, then I Googled the company and I started doing my research on the company. And it turns out that the owner, whose name was on that job letter, was on LinkedIn. So I hopped on LinkedIn and I'm looking at it going, okay, this doesn't sound like you know, a big operation of any kind. It's a small operation for sure. And I dug in a bit further. There were a number, a number of reviews online for this company of past employees. There's a website, I don't know what it's called, but where employees can go and kind of rank or rate or review their employer. Right. And I did that and there were a ton of poor reviews. Interesting. So right away, even if it is all legit, you start questioning potential job stability or, you know, are they getting paid on time? Things of that nature. Anyways, I looked over the employment thing and I said, well, let's, let's take a look at their credit because, you know, somebody's ability to pay 
doesn't necessarily correlate with their job, right? There's a lot of people that, you know, they'll get two or three jobs if they have to, to pay their rent, right? Keep a yes. roof over their head. Especially, it's more about character. Children, right? Yeah, for right. sure. So I started looking at the credit report. It's an Equifax report. I'm very familiar with credit reports. I've been looking at them for the past 20 years of my life. And I personally pull my own Equifax report uh, and my wife's um, a number of times per year uh, just to just to better understand where our credit is at. Is there any is there anything that's on there that shouldn't be on there? You've got you printed your own? Yeah. Um, in fact, I used to subscribe to their monthly program that alerts you of new inquiries or what have you, any changes. And then they let you um, download as many credit reports as you want. Yeah, yeah. they're big on that. That's a big thing now. They're trying to push all these, as are every, as is every company trying sure. to push monthly, monthly memberships. Monthly recurring, monthly yeah. recurring, right? Everybody wants that. Um, so I'm very, very familiar with it. And, and obviously in real estate handling leases, we see a lot of applications and a lot of reports, different kinds from Equifax, TransUnion, Credit Karma. Well, here's the uh, big thing with that too, is I think half of those are so, um, summarized. You don't get a very good indication as to what they're saying about somebody like Equifax is very detailed, assuming they print the right version of the report. But a lot of those other ones are very like, you, you can't see all the trades and they usually send you like a screenshot of the app on their phone. So you can't, you know, it's all split up between 15 yeah. different photos. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't know how people can't recognize how to download a damn PDF from, from the report. Yeah. Like it even says generate, print report or whatever yeah and then you save well, it as a, to, to yeah. their to their credit equifax doesn't make it explicitly clear like they should just have a print report button you do have to click a couple things to get to it but nevertheless it's not that hard right it's because not super they're trying intuitive to keep you either on, they're trying to keep you on their site right so yeah anyways i'm looking at this report and the first thing that caught my eye was in the soft and hard inquiry area towards the bottom of the report, the spacing between the lines started to get significantly different between each other. Right. Now, again, I know the Equifax reports, they are lined up perfectly. There's, you know, proper spacing. So if you were to go into a Word document and hit space, you get the same, same space. Um, and these were not. So well, let's also okay. say this. So this particular report was a copy of the report. So it wasn't an original PDF. It was a scanned copy. Correct. Yes, that's a good point. It so was a like scan. the pages were a so, bit wonky. Yes, yes. And that can happen between scanning and emailing, if, especially if somebody has one of those scanners where it feeds through you know, depending on how it feeds, if you fed two pages at once, as an example, sometimes it can be skewed and whatever. So you have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. But, um, but that was the first thing that set my eyes off, right? 
And then I looked at the actual um, alignment of all of the letters and the words and the sentences, and those were also not properly left aligned to the page. So when you look down from the first paragraph, second paragraph, first line, second line, it it started to zigzag. Yeah. Can you hear that? Uh, My printer's going. Somebody's sending something to the printer. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Anyways. Let's, and, so, and, so, and then I further looked into it. Yeah, and yeah. There, were, there were spelling errors. Uh, there were words that shouldn't have been there. Uh, you've seen the report, so you know, like simple things like um, the word account, like a bank account, was changed and it said count numbers. Right. Oh, what the hell's a count number? Well, the interesting thing with this, though, is that, so, I mean, Equifax, well, how many pages? Let's see, mine's one, two, three, four, five. Mine's Between short. eight and a dozen. Mine's only five. Well, anyway, you're so you've bastard got, and you don't have a lot of credit. You've got, you know, in many cases, upwards of 10 pages, realistically. And 90% of the document is standardized text, right? So they're just paragraphs explaining what the next part is going to be. And most of these sections, the average person's not going to look at because they're the same thing from one document to the next. And this is where we found, uh, or give you credit, you found a lot of the errors by being thorough and reading all those little parts. Well, here's the thing. So their realtor did not know that that was a fraudulent report, but it was a fraudulent report. And when I, when I called them out on it and I, I called the realtor up and I said, um, can they, can they provide me a brand new report within the next 45 minutes? Right. And, and they were what at did she work. Say to that? They were at work and she said, well, I'll try, but, um, you know, um, I don't know if I can get it to you in 45 minutes. Uh, why, why do you need it in, in 45 minutes? I don't understand. You have a report there. It's good. And I said, yeah, but the report is dated October 19th. It's mid-November, so it's, it's outdated, and I want a, a live report. And I, I said, I have a reason to my madness. There is a reason I want it in a short time frame. And I'll, and I'll be happy to disclose what that reason is later. And she said, okay, well, let me call him and I'll see. Sure enough, she couldn't get a hold of him. And I, I prefaced that whole conversation actually by asking, you know, what is, what is your lines of communication with this, with this client? Like, if you call, will, will you be able to get an answer pretty quickly? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and no report came in 45 minutes and I didn't want to give them enough time to, you know, make another one, make another one. Yeah. You know, as if you fake it once, you'll fake it again. Yeah. So anyways, I feel sorry for the realtor because well, yes and no, yes and no. Um, the realtor got duped, right? It, it, when, when I called them out on it, the realtor said, uh, well, they have good credit. Because I said, I think the, the document is forged. She said, well, they have good credit. 
According to what? I said, what, what do you mean they have good credit? <laughs> the forged document. The, the document is forged. You have no idea what kind of credit these people have. And I'm pretty sure if they provide a fraudulent Equifax report that probably the other documents are also forged or their credit is so bad that you'll never even know. And giving the four months up front... You know what would happen. You know what would happen there. To those of you that don't, you would get that 10 grand up front and never see another nickel. Absolutely. Because it's almost impossible with people like that. They're, they're well, professional from, tenants. Really 100%. Is what they are. Not and, only are you not getting any more money, but they are going to destroy your property. Oh, for sure. A brand, can you imagine a brand new $800,000 home and they went to that extent to try and get the property, offering the four months up front. We've seen it before. We've heard the stories. They would move in, not pay your rent Yeah. after a few months because they didn't have to. Uh, you would try and collect. Oh, you know, this changed, that changed my job. I got fired. Uh, we'll pay you in... 30 days or pay in 20 days that time flies by never collect payment and then you're trying to chase them then you try and kick them out you're trying to evict them they don't want to leave it's a long process especially right now with covid like good Ooh, luck getting it's anybody a very out. long process they're probably a year behind now on those kind of evictions so yeah um and then they don't care about the property right like they have zero shits given about how the house looks once they once they leave or while they're living in there or whatever. Well, so, let's face it. Like sometimes if, if something seems too good to be true, it, it not always, but it may very well be like if these people had perfect credit, which I think one of them was over 800 um, and they have enough money to give you four payments up front. So they got 10 grand. One would think that they maybe should buy a house. <laughs> right not, not, not necessarily not, no i know but no, you know no, what i'm saying no, I, I won't even know because i've con you've contemplated it you've contem if if your wife was on side you've contemplated selling and renting something in milton and then using that leverage that equity that money that that financing to go and buy multiple properties in I other know. areas. Okay. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm just saying, I'm trying okay. to make the point I'm trying to convey is that if there is, if, if the, everything seems scary. perfect. Here's what's scary. If, and here's how stupid that they are. Like you pay four months up front and you have over 800 beacon score on your credit report. Why not? You know, why not? If you're going to forge it, why not make it like 710 or something that's not, it's good, but not like, like my credit wasn't, isn't even as high as them. And I have good credit. Um, but they put something like 820 and 830 on credit scores. Like, I don't even know what the maximum is, but it's like 845 or something like that. No, 900, so, 900 is perfect. 900? Yeah. I've never seen anything that high, but yeah. um, anyway, why not, you know, forge it to something that's reasonable yeah. and, not, and not give those payments up front? 
you might have a fighting chance. Or somebody, keep it in your back pocket as a negotiating tool, something, right? Something, something. But, you know, so, so they actually helped me uh, make that easy decision. Yeah. But the scary part is, Adrian, that somebody's going to accept them as a tenant. I, I guarantee it. Somebody sure. is going to overlook it. They're going to say, oh, I'm getting four months up front. They have good credit. Yeah, their jobs are, are stable. They don't make a ton of money, but enough to so pay what the came, bills. So what came of it with their agent? Like, Do you think that that real estate agent is still working with them? I don't know. I, I don't have time to follow up people's crap. I, I asked her to call me the next day. She didn't. I called and left a message. So, so either she's in on it or... Um, or nothing came of it, right? right? The funny, the funny part about it was, uh, she said that she was going to have her office pull the credit report because the um, this was after the fact, kind of during the pro. After I, you had asked I, for a new one, though. Yeah, I, I didn't tell her we were going with the other offer just yet, even though I knew we were. We didn't sign right. it yet. And I was just curious. I was curious as to what she was going to come back with. And, and if another report was produced, what it actually said. Yeah. Um, so she was going to have her office do it. She called me back several hours later and said, uh, Equifax is down. Um, whatever, you can check it online. I didn't verify it or whatever. And it just kind of disappeared. So, so I don't know what came of it. But the fact of the matter is, you know, folks, yeah, there's a ton of fraud out there. There's a ton of people that um, are trying to trying to find a place to live and basically will do anything to, to get it. And there are a ton of people that are trying to get places to live that they cannot afford and that will not pay their rent. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of loopholes in the system and there's a lot of people that know how to take advantage of those. There are a lot of professional tenants and they know that the residential tenancies act favors tenants, not landlords. Yeah. And, and it does, you know, it puts the onus on the realtor because assuming you're, you're, you've hired a realtor to, to rent the property out. There are a ton of people that do it by themselves because they don't want to pay a realtor commission, which, you know, we charge one month rent. Sometimes there's some add on costs to it, but on average, it's going to cost you a month plus a little bit. Well, I don't know how much time, the average person has, but between showings and going through documents and, you know, how, how as an individual would you ever be able to decipher whether or not that tenant was a good tenant? Like if everything checks out on paper and I guarantee you, if I did reference checks, I guarantee you it'll all check out. For sure. Because they're, they've, they've set it all up. They've they've set it all up. They've put their. Have you in ever? Order. 
Have you ever called a reference and they and they said, no, don't take this person on, stay away, don't touch them? Interesting that you you said that um, because Steve Cicchetto and I had that conversation about when we used to hire employees in our previous careers. But so to answer your question, no, I've never had a bad reference, but I did have a reference that when I called, hesitated. Right. That's a big sign. Um, it was the previous landlord. And I don't know if she felt... Previous maybe, as in they were occupying their rental currently? Uh, no. Okay. No, previous to that. Okay. And... When when I made the call, it was it was clear that maybe she was intimidated or scared or something by the oh interesting by the past tenant and um, and kind of just said uh, yeah they lived here and um, you know I can't I can't really give you much information on it and that was it. Hmm. So kind of stayed, stayed neutral, but, you know, kind of hinted in the reaction, hinted at, well, you might not want to accept these people. And um, that was enough for me to say, hang on, if a landlord is, because if you've been a good tenant. Oh, I would rave. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Especially because it's for an essential need. Like somebody needs somewhere to live. So it's not like they're going to buy a, I don't know, get a, an unnecessary luxurious toy that they need a reference for. It's, it's for an essential need. So. Right. And if, and if they treated you well as a tenant, uh, like that tenant landlord relationship was good, then you want to help people out, right? Hey, you treated my home well, you pay me on time. Yeah. I'll give you a a great recommendation. So just have your next potential landlord call me. And then I've had, you know, quote unquote, landlord references where, okay, so Mr. Whatever, Mr. Smith submits an application to rent one of our properties and on the rental application says, you taking a screenshot or a picture? There you go. Um, so Mr. Smith submits an application to rent one of our properties and puts, um, you know, Mike Jones as a personal uh, reference as a past landlord. And um, these are fictional characters, by the way, if your name is Mike Jones. <laughs> yeah, we might have a couple of those in our database. Is that I what you're we, saying? That? I, think, I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> Now you got me sidetracked. What, what, what was I going to say? I have no, no idea. You didn't get far <laughs> enough in. <laughs> oh, um, so you call Mike Jones and you said, oh, I got a rental application here from, uh, you know, Mr. Smith. And um, he mentioned that you're a past landlord, wanted to get uh, your feedback and opinion on him as a tenant. Oh, yeah, it was great and blah, 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 blah. And what, you know, I always confirm what address uh, was the property. 
you know, does it line up with the rental application? But then I think these people forget that we have access to the land registry system. Right. So I've had it before where I called Mr. Mike Jones that said he owned 123 Anywhere Street. And I go into the land registry and check 123 Anywhere Street. And it's owned by Dorothy Goodsmith. Right. Right. Again, Dorothy Goodsmith is a fictional fictional character. Well, so is 123 Anywhere Street. Did I just say fictional? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, do you have anything to say? No, I think that's, uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of neat little things that we can do or that we do in our process of trying to vet and qualify tenants. And so that's a great idea in terms of following up with references. And I, I think references in themselves are, they're not, they don't provide a lot of value if you don't Who's know gonna how. Who's going to give you a reference for somebody that's going to talk shit about you? Right. So references don't provide any value if you don't know how to use a reference, but if you know how to use a reference then, and you know what to look for, such as trying to catch somebody hesitating before they answer or finding out what the property was that they previously rented. And this is the new, the previous landlord, whatever, and then confirming that they owned it. Um, you know, those are effective ways of using references. But if what most people do, I suspect is they'll call the reference and say, Hey, this is Adrian from Century 21 Miller. I have a tenant applying to rent X property. They have you as a reference. Can you tell me about them? The person is just going to say, yep, they were tenants. They were good people. End of story. And if you just take and, it and at that. I'm like, I, I always throw these random questions that potentially can throw people off, right? I'd be like, and can you tell me how many bedrooms and bathrooms are in that property? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, three bedroom, two and a half bath. Oh, really? Okay. Because my lighting spoke- totally just changed. Oh, it's weird. My camera is so sensitive. Well, it's focusing on, on different parts. Yeah. Nobody listening cares about your lighting. Well, it just threw me off for a second. But no, that uh, that's funny. I haven't tried that. I'm going to do that more often. Just ask random questions about the property. Yeah. It's a good idea. I just want to verify that it's the correct property. Can you tell me what color the kitchen cabinets are? Yeah. <laughs> or just give them a random address, right? Just give them a random address and say, was this at this particular address? Just some weird street name. Oh, not not confirming the actual address, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yep, I've owned that for a long time. <laughs> so here it is, folks. I mean, if you're, if you're a landlord, it's, it's tough sledding out there right now as it is. Tough to find good quality tenants. Tough to, be tenants, tough to find tenants, period, especially like in Toronto right now. It's really tough. So yeah. don't get desperate. Make sure you do your due diligence. Don't just say, oh, my God, this is the first oh, application man, I've had. I don't know what the terminology is for tenants that are, are foraging and doing those things, if you want to call them professional tenants or sharks or whatever. But I guarantee you there are applications right now on the table for a ton of properties in Toronto, specifically condos, because there's a shit ton of them on the market. And there are applications that are being reviewed right now that have a ton of fraudulent content within it. 
So be careful. Be careful. I don't understand. You know, it it just blows my mind how a landlord wouldn't hire a realtor to to rent out their property. But it blows my mind how many realtors are out there that don't do the proper due diligence. So, well, so here's the thing with rentals: the the month's rent. It really, I mean, half of that goes to the other party, whoever's representing the tenants or the land, whatever. Um, there's not much money in it for the real estate agent. And it is a loss leader for us. I've done the math many times. I've told 100%. you percent. So if, if, if we put any kind of value at all, like even 20 bucks an hour um, into our value and, and you know, where our value is significantly more than $20 an hour, but um, let's just say $20 an hour. By the time the property is actually tenanted, like you've exchanged keys, we have lost a significant amount of money on that transaction. Easy. 100% every time. If you don't monetize your time, it's still probably a loss leader. You try and, you know, as a realtor, you try and help people, right? You try and help Well, at the end of the day, from a real estate, Um, from our business perspective, it's adding a new client to our database. And that's what it's all about is having more people. Yes. Yes. So what I was getting at with that, though, is that a lot because it's perceived as a loss leader, a lot of agents will spend little to no time on it, right? So Correct. that's that's why the agent that brought you that offer had no idea it was fake. She didn't Correct. look. She just like, don't, send me your rush. documents. Send me your documents. I'll email them in. She didn't even look at them. She looked at the score. She saw the yep. score at the top of the page. That yep. was it. 100%. So 100%. On the receiving end, you have to be diligent. You have to be thorough. Uh, or I mean, can you imagine like people complaining about one one month's rent to pay? to hire an agent. Imagine six months of no rental income and shitty tenants that destroy your property. Not to say that it can't happen, that if you hire an agent and even take their advice and meet the tenants before they move in and or sure. before you sign off and all that, it can still happen. And even if you have a good tenant, something can happen that they become a bad tenant later um, you know, there's been cases where somebody has an addiction and you don't find out until later and until it becomes a problem or somebody loses their job or somebody gets sick. Um, you know, so tons of things can happen there. That's the risk of being a landlord, but you're trying to mitigate that risk as best as you can. Yes. And you, so anyways, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because it infuriated me that what I was looking at, like two completely fraudulent reports, the person representing them, the realtor had, you know, no you idea. should have done, you, you should have, even though you weren't accepting it, you should have met with them. A hundred, you should have done that. You should have met I, with them and then, and asked, called them, not called them out on it directly. Well, but first say, of all, I thought, I thought about it, but I value my time. My time is way too valuable to be wasting time with people like that. Secondly, I don't know who these people are. Like, are they that now? I've called them out at being frauds. Do they now 
you know, hunt me down and fucking find me. And I'm serious, right? Like, <laughs> like you watch you too go- many movies. Uh, I'm sorry. You Google my name, you'll be able to track me down pretty easily, right? I'm not Mike Smith, like one of a kind name. There's no other Ariel Cormendi in the world. So you Google- I'm going to challenge that. If Go your ahead, name is Ariel Cormendi, I want you to DM yeah. me today. Well, I'm gonna have you on. The, I'm gonna have you on the show next week. Highly doubt my doppelganger is uh, watching the show, but uh, or listening. Um, but seriously, like I don't know who these people are. Like, yeah. if they have any ties with, I don't know, mafia. <laughs> or, you never know. Oh my god, you're funny. I suppose you don't know, but it's. A far, you know, a far stretch. There's a lot of crazy people in this world, man. I, yes. I pull up into my driveway one day and here are these people waiting to ask me why I didn't accept them as a tenant and called them out as a fraud, right? You never know. I'm going to buy you a hand. to find somebody's home address. I'm going to buy you a handgun for Christmas. I already have one. Bodyguard, full-time no, bodyguard. It's not legal in, in, in Canada. Hey. Have a shotgun as long as it's hey, so I'm gonna just uh wrap this up. I'm gonna we're gonna link a blog in the description so you can actually go in. I've we have included um screenshots of specific this is, this is fun. This is fun getting yeah. to share this. We've we've included screenshots of specific components of the credit report that were wrong and we've highlighted what was wrong with it. So it's really interesting to see. The pictures make it more or less blatantly obvious, but when you're reading through, you know a dozen page document with thousands of words. Uh, it wasn't so blatantly obvious, but uh, it's interesting to see where they messed up. Before I forget. So I'm a member of a, um, uh, gun club we'll, shooting we'll, range. We'll call it, um, I used to be, um, no, a Facebook group for, for realtors. And not that long ago, it, this actually just came to my mind. Not that long ago, one of the realtors in there posted um, a picture of a driver's license and found out it was fraudulent. Okay. And everybody's commenting on it. And a lot of, lot of people couldn't identify that it was fraudulent. So there's, there's a lot of good fakes out there too. Like right now, with um, uh, Adobe Acrobat Pro, you can do some serious damage with altering PDFs if you know how to use it properly. Yeah. Right? So. Well, and it, people that aren't computer literate, there are people that you can pay to do this. Oh, and yeah. it's not hard to find these. People. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like all these companies. I won't mention any names, but there are some, you know, companies in every industry. We'll leave it at that. Uh, that actually pay people to leave reviews, like five-star Google reviews or whatever. That's why I know you want us to get a bad review one of these days because we do have a perfect five-star Google and Facebook review. I'm going to go on and leave a bad review. I'm going to pay somebody to leave us a shit review. How about that? I'm going to go leave a bad review and name you. Yeah, thanks. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, the good news is Google does um, a lot of uh, uh, checks and verifications on all that stuff. And everybody that's left us a review obviously is legit and whatnot. But they're, like you can hop onto Fiverr and for five to ten bucks, get somebody to leave you a review on your business. 
you can pay people like that to doctrine uh, uh, for a sure. credit report or yeah. a, a job letter or to be a reference or to confirm employment or any I'll of those. I'll tell you things. what, if you, if somebody wanted, I could make a fake one of these up and you would have no idea when I was done with it. I'm confident you'd have no idea it was fake. Well, you just said you pulled your own report. How long ago did you do that? I did it for the purpose of this blog that I wrote because I oh, wanted to screen capture stuff. How's yeah. your credit? How's your credit? Oh, I'm really good. I'm you don't, you don't, huh? you don't really spend any money. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm way up there. High, high eights? Are you in the high eights? No, I'm not high. I'm 833. That's good. That's a yeah. damn good score. But that can change on a dime. You go get one loan. Yeah. And for a year, you're down to 770 because you had your credit checked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you, you close an account. As an example, yeah. that can also affect it. Anything can affect yeah. it. But if and you're that, over 800, you're gold. Yeah. Actually, anyway. on that note, before we wrap up, if I'm just curious, if you is there a, a number for you if you're representing the landlord and you get a credit report? Is there a, a score where you would immediately just deny somebody, or you would just it would just no. say nope? You're open-minded to bad scores as well. Yeah, the, the score specifically will not deter me. Okay, so people out there that are discouraged because they have low credit scores should not be discouraged, is Absolutely what you're saying. Not. Absolutely not. There's, okay. Unless your story is shit, right? Like right. if you come to us with a 530 credit score and you say, I just declared bankruptcy uh, a year ago, and in the last year you've been sitting on your sofa eating fucking Cheetos and watching Seinfeld, then we might have a problem. Right. But if you come to me and you say, you know, I, I just declared bankruptcy during COVID. I was going through cancer treatments and COVID hit at the same time. And I'm really in a tough place, but I do have still $25,000 in my bank account. I've just landed this new job, which is going to get me back on my feet. I'm just looking for somebody to give me an opportunity. That's a very, very different standpoint, right? Yeah. And, and both, I guarantee you, both examples exist in the rental market today. Yeah, 100%. But I think, I think the key there for those people is they need proper representation because we get, I'll get a lot of phone calls from agents well, saying, hey, I'm would you consider... Across from Steve Cicchetto in the other room, okay? Yeah. He helped brand new immigrants to the country with no credit, not shit credit, zero credit. Like you just landed fresh off the boat and don't have a cent lent to you by a lender and just a few thousand bucks in their pocket. And he was able to get them uh, a rental property here in Milton because he- Because he's damn good at his job. That's right. But he encouraged the landlord to meet- and because he felt that those people were good people and they needed an opportunity, he did his proper due diligence. And, um, you know, most landlords would have just passed on them. But um, I so, remember so one time I, I was able to help get a church a rental of a house where they were going to have 12 people in the house. That was 12 a students of students. That was a challenge. But we persevered and we found a house. And they were the most amazing tenants and they paid huge money to make it happen. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of agents would have passed on that. 
So for the landlord, they scored. For the tenants, they scored because it was very. They couldn't find a place. That's then they came we to us. I remember that. I remember yeah. that transaction. We certainly didn't score because I think between the two of us, we spent two hundred hours on <laughs> on that file. Yeah, it was a lot of work, but it was, and they turned out to be great people, really good customers, uh, clients for life for sure. So uh, don't give up. Just get proper representation. And you know, get the whole story too, right? Like there's. Yeah. Well, it's even when we're selling houses, if you're representing a buyer, you got to sell them to me. That's right. Got to make no sure different. that the deal's going to more gonna so close, right? More so when you're leasing because it's not so much about the price. Thanks for listening to episode 106. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a comment and like wherever you're listening or watching. Um, if you are listening and you want to watch, go to ktconfidential.ca. They'll take you right to the KT Confidential podcast. Um, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye.